right, so. Continuing our uh, actually, I'm gonna put those in the back. Yeah, sorry. Oh yeah, that too. So uh, we're continuing our series on our faith family portrait, a study in biblical relationships, the interpersonal relationships that we all have, and um, and so we've been doing the awkward family photos, right? And and so that's part of the reason I wanted Tom here because today we got to look at uh, uh, awkward family photo from. Uh, from, from the, the Kilgore family. I guess this is a, a shot on a ride uh, in, in Disney, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so one of the kids has already knows it's coming and has, uh, has, has, has buried his head in the sand. One of those happens to be an, a daughter uh, of, uh, of Kyle Ravishes in the back. Uh, I guess she, she went on the, the family vacation with them. So, uh, so Tom thought that was kind of a funny picture that the kids were uh, reacting the way they were. So, so yeah, so again, keep them coming. Shane, I did get your text. Uh, the uh, answers will be... Uh, Will be forthcoming <laughs> as as I uh, I see Rhonda's. She was like looking at her phone and she looks up at the, <laughs> the computer. <laughs> so she's gonna be uh, and Shane's in the car. So I think Shane's trying to get away uh, at this point. So yeah, so good stuff. So if you have awkward family photos, we would. Uh, we would uh, welcome them. So, um, and 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 obviously, it is what it is. So, uh, on on those, I mean, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be enjoyable, and we can all laugh at them. So, again, our hypothesis for our study. I've talked about it each week. Uh, the, you know, ministry relies on relationships, and therefore, if we uh, if we see the Lord uh, calling out specific people in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 in specific what we commonly call the hall of faith then there are practical lessons to be learned from their relationships and uh, from those in that hall of faith and and Romans 14 7 says for none of us liveth unto himself and no man dieth to himself these relationships are important so today we're going to be looking at a, at a man who has, you know, we could do weeks of messages on Abraham. Weeks of messages. I realize it's a little grainy picture, but this is an actual picture of Abraham and, and Sarah. Now, um, that was a joke because obviously they didn't have cameras. Um, so, so uh, Abraham and Sarah, when she's laughing, uh, you know, it's just one of the one of the moments here. But there are uh, a lot that we could cover with Abraham uh, specifically. But let's look at our at our study text in Hebrews chapter eleven, verses eight through ten. By faith, Abraham. <clears throat> by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. Uh, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so our, our premise, and I'll back up just a second, our premise today is that the the, there are consequences uh, of the call. There are consequences when we heed the call. And if we heed the call, it will impact your family. 
it will impact your family and, and again we're focusing on fam a lot of on family relationships in in light really of the the old testament stories are very patriarchal in nature very familial in, in nature a lot of family stories a lot of the interactions deal with the, the family dynamic and the family relationship but we're going to learn not just the family relationship today but we're going to learn uh, a, a little bit more about the ministry but heeding the call will impact your family and so we're going to see that uh, there's you know the call, heeding the call you'll leave some you'll lose some you'll lumber some and you'll lead some we'll look at each of those uh, in time. So uh, the first, you know, uh, first or second blank, you know, the, the heeding the call will impact your family and leaving some. We see in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to two, uh, one and 4, if you want to go ahead and turn back to Genesis, we're going to be spending, again, most of our time, not a big surprise, because we're, we're looking at Abraham and he is uh, mostly referenced in Genesis. There are some other references. I've put them on on your page. You can obviously turn them, turn to them, go to them in your in your Bible app, or 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 just look at them on on your page. But I, I want to at least reference those so we don't have a lot of turning in Scripture. But in Genesis chapter twelve, notice in verse uh, one. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, who will later be called Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And jump down to verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot with, with him. And Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. Now it's interesting because <clears throat> there's a there's a couple of different things that I want to put out uh, put out on the table here for you to consider. And one of them is the fact that he has to leave his family, right? He has to leave some of his family behind. Now, a few months ago, it's hard to believe it was February, I actually was doing a series and talked about purpose in the path. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we looked at the life, uh, or looked at this this Abraham's journey out of Ur of the Chaldees over to the land of Canaan. And I went and I grabbed those slides because I wanted you to see them. But one of the things that we looked at was his family relationships. Now this is Abram or Abraham. His father, his name was Terah. And in Genesis 20:12, he references the, a true statement that Sarah was indeed his sister the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. Okay, so he had married, in essence, his half sister or half niece, uh, so to speak. I'm not sure what the, the, I guess, yeah, I'm not sure what the right term is, but Tara, so this is a structure that we generally believe to be accurate. I don't definitively know it. I believe I, you know, this is based on scripture, scripture references, but Abram. Uh, or Abraham had uh, siblings, Haran, who married, uh, you know, someone that was not mentioned, had Milcah and Iska, and Milcah married Nahor and had Lot. So that's how we know that he takes his nephew Lot, even though it's not his, um, you know, the way we would normally, well, I guess it's his brother's son, so his nephew. There is at least some reason to believe that Sarah, his wife, was Nahor's um, and Milka's daughter because of the structure. That would make her the daughter of his father, 
right? Even not, not necessarily his specific daughter, but his granddaughter of his father, but not of his mother, uh, the, having, you know, two wives. Now, again, not definitive here, but my point is, bear with me, because my point is, look at who stays in the, uh, you can't, it didn't show up real well, but there's a box here. Uh, all of these folks stay in the era of Chaldees, including Haran, who dies in the era of the Chaldees before his father does, because we'll see that Terah goes with uh, Abraham or Abram. So all of this part of the family die, uh, stays or dies in Ur of the Chaldees. They actually don't make the journey. They don't leave with Abraham. All that we see that leave with Abraham is Sarah, Lot, and Terah, his father. Okay, that's all who's recorded in some either uh, in Genesis or cross-reference in the book of Acts. So uh, the point, heeding the call will cause you to leave some, leave some behind. And, and for some people, this is uh, family relationships. For some people, this is longtime friends. For some people, this is... Um, you know, just, uh, you know, whether it's special places, specific ministries like this church. Uh, I'm even just looking at the, the front row here and see, you know, Tim and Christy. I mean, they were, uh, I was going to say left behind. That sounds bad in context of the rapture. The family has but, all abandoned us. But the family has abandoned you all. <laughs> we, and we're blessed to still have you here. That the family has either gone to start ministries in Lee Summit or Boston, and we get to, you know, the blessing of having having Tim and Christy, you know, stay here with us and, and do the ministry here. But that, there is a separation there, right? There is a, a by, by the very nature of some people heeding the call, there is a separation. And that's okay. It's hard, but it's okay. Look at, look at Isaiah 51 and verse 2 <clears throat> that's referenced on your, again, on your page. Look unto Abraham your father, Isaiah is saying, and unto Sarah that bear you. For Look at the, the this is really the, the point I wanted to call. For I called him alone. I called him alone. I didn't call this whole extended family to go. Arguably, he wasn't even supposed to take Lot. Arguably, he wasn't even supposed to take his father. He was supposed to get out of his father's house. And there's at least some historical record that Ur of the Chaldees, that area was fairly well developed. I've read some accounts that they think there could have been as much as 100,000 people living in that area with two-story houses and kind of, which for that generation, for that day and age in Bible history would have been a big deal. He is called out of a relative place of stability relative family. I'm sure they had great Thanksgivings, right? I'm sure Christmases were a lot of fun in the in the Terra household, right? But he's called out of that place. He's he's challenged to leave his father's home. And he so in and according to Isaiah 51 verse 2, he's called alone. And that's that's hard. That's hard sometimes when you are called out to go do the thing that God's called you to do by yourself. Now, again, in the case of Dan and, and Mike uh, Renault, uh, you know, two of the, the pastors that we've sent out here that I've already referenced, we sent teams with them. 
we've certainly done the same with with the Schaefer's in in Tampa. We've sent people over over a period of time, and I suspect that we will continue to do that both in in Lee Summit and in Tampa and in Boston and Lord willing in other places as we start uh, additional ministries. That we will continue to send folks, but initially that may be on your own. The call certainly is a very personal call. Look also in Luke 14, 26. If any man come unto me and hate not his father and his mother and a wife and children and brethren and sister Jay and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. There is a high mark, a high bar to call uh, to, to answer for the concept of discipleship. You have to be ready and willing to leave any and all of that behind. If you really want to follow the Lord. Now, there's some things some of us want to leave behind. We've already talked about some of the addictions and some of the sin and some of those things that would be great for us to leave behind. Sometimes, unfortunately, those things follow, and and we have to deal with that. But this call out will impact your family. It will impact your, and even air quotes, family, your friends, your network, and you will have to leave some. So this brings us to our first relationship rule. Oh, sorry. I put. I, I should have referenced those. Those are just. Uh, those were on your on your page. This brings us to our first relationship rule. Answering the call will cause some sort of separation. It will cause some sort of separation, and you need to be okay with that. You need to understand that's part of the gig. That's part. I, Jesus left heaven to come to earth. Like he set the bar. He, you know, he wasn't willing. Or he, I'm sorry, he didn't ask us to do something he wasn't willing to do himself. So if he calls you to fill in the blank, I don't know why Timbuktu jumped into my head, but if he calls you to blank, whether that's a different fellowship, whether that's a different church, whether that's a different ministry around the world to start something, if he calls you, it will necessarily cause some sort of separation. Now, there's always that always happens within structure. Okay, that always happens within structure. So we'll talk more about that as as we continue. But that's our first relationship rule for today. So the second point is that we will lose some. We will lose some. So I referenced that there was another place in Scripture where Abram Abraham or Abram's journey was talked about, specifically in Acts. Um, in Acts three, or I'm sorry, Acts seven, three to four. I'm going to turn there because I want to read. I want to actually start in uh, at the beginning of the chapter, Acts seven. Uh, then said the high priest, "Are these things so?" And uh, men, and, and and he said, "Men, brethren, and fathers." Stephen saying this, uh, "Brothers, hearken! The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia." Right when he was in Ur of the Chaldees, before he dwelt in Charon, which is where he went, and we'll talk more about that in a second. And he said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and out of thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. And then he came. Uh, then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Charon. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. So literally. Abraham leaves Ur the Chaldees and goes to Charon and his father dies. His father literally dies along the way, right? It makes me think of the westward expansion of people, right? The Santa Fe, the California, Oregon trails, people moving west from the east part of the United States. And what happened? People died along the way. 
There was no guarantee they were going to make it, right? Yeah. Dysentery, it seems like. Did anybody else play uh, uh, Oregon, Trail. Uh, yeah, Oregon Trail? Right, dysentery always seemed to get me when I play with Oregon Trail on the on the. On, on, it seemed like I was playing on a Apple II E. Is that right? Old, Apple, old Apple, II. Apple II or an Apple II E, and the dysentery always got me, right? And somebody would die along the way. Well, Abraham's father dies along the way. So there will be a process, or there's a possibility that as we go, we will lose some. Now, hopefully, people aren't dying. But there may very well be situations, whether it's in Lee Summit or Tampa or Boston, where we'll lose some folks that we sent. Maybe they'll, they'll stray, or maybe they'll have to come back here, you know, to, to recharge or reset. Who knows? In Genesis, uh, Genesis 21, uh, jumping way ahead in, in Abraham's story, but it's kind of interesting. There's also a situation where Abraham has, Abraham has to lose his son, the son he thought was the son of promise, potentially, right? Because there was this promise by God, right, that he was going to, that through his seed, there would be a great and mighty nation. And so he has a lack of faith, doesn't trust that the Lord's going to move through his aged wife, Sarah, right? Has a child through Hagar, Ishmael, and he has to send him away. And look at this. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she, uh, which she had borne unto Abram, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abram, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for this son, or for the son of this woman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing, look at this, was very grievous in Abram's sight because of his son. Like, I know we normally wrap this up as like, well, it was a, you know, child of sin. It was a child, the offspring that wasn't promised. But it was still his son. Like, and technically still his firstborn son. Like, it's his kid. And now he's got to send his kid away later in the chapter in verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I mean, like, there's going to be times where we have to make some decisions about right and wrong. And I hope you don't have to put some bread and some water on your firstborn son's, your baby mama's, and send them away. Like, I hope that's not the story. But Abraham had to in make a, a choice. In a desert. In a desert, right. I mean, it, the, the, Abraham loses some relationships. Not just leaves them. He leaves some relationships, but he loses some relationships in answering the call. And these are things that are referenced, in essence, or alluded to, in Hebrews chapter 11, right? So he loses some. So this brings to our second relationship rule of the day. As much as you want to take everyone, not all can make the entire journey. So it's probably not appropriate to reference Steve Martin's movie, The Jerk, in when you're teaching the Bible. But it, I think the point, it's the best point I can come up with. Does anybody remember the end of the movie? When he's, when he's downtrodden and he's had to write a check for $2.13 or whatever it was to everybody because of the glasses thing. And he says, all I need is this remote control. And that's all, all I need. And he keeps walking and he says, and this lamp. And that's all I need. I need this remote control and I need this lamp. And that's it. And then he's like, and this ashtray. I need this remote control, this lamp, 
and this ashtray and that's all I need. I don't, well, I need and my dog. I need, I need this remote control. I need this lamp. I need this ashtray and my dog and the dog bites me because well, actually I don't need the dog, right? Or it growls at it, right? That's, and I know it's, it's a trite example, but that's exactly what we do when we, we negotiate with God. When he says, I need you to go to a country that you don't even know about yet. I just need you to trust me. And he says, but I, but I need to take my dad. And I want to hang on to my sin. And I want to, I just, if I could just move, move my car with me. And I really like this couch. And if I could just have this couch. And, and this one and this and this dress I really like this dress or or whatever it is right we we start these negotiations with God about I'll go but you're gonna lose some things along the way and using the Oregon Trail example I, they would for years they would find uh, antique chests and dishes sets and stuff along the trail because women and I, I'm just gonna, you know, it was what it was. They would want to take their prized dishes from their across the country in the Oregon Trail, like, like, ah, uh, you don't need di- like you need a dish kind of thing, right? You don't need the the fine china. You're gonna lose some. It's yeah. going to happen, right? And then that brings us to our third point. There's gonna be some lumbering, lumbering some. Lumbering. So one of the things that I think is a, a neat study tool that I suggest that you use when you're studying geography in Scripture. Okay, and this is also a slide from the from the previous uh, you know time that I that I taught on Abraham and his journey, and it's the ability to take Bible dist- distances into of of the Bible and lay them on distances that you know or can relate to. Okay, now this would be Abraham's journey from the. So this the color here is the current countries in the Middle East, which represent approximately the distance of Abraham's journey. And I overlaid them over Kansas City, so you could see what this journey was like. So if he started just northwest of Kansas City, maybe up near Leavenworth or so, I don't, you know, just ballpark. It would be like getting to Grand Junction, Colorado, past Denver, via Rapid City, South Dakota. Okay? So he literally went up, and this is actually not too far too far removed because it would have been like following the Missouri River up because he followed the Tigris and Euphrates up, right? And then came down and descended down ultimately into, into the land of Canaan. So that's like a long journey. Isn't there a mountain ridge right through Oh, yeah, yeah, in both situations, yeah, both situations, right. And that would have been a very difficult, probably impossible journey across the desert um, back in that day. You would have needed to follow the water, right? But the point here is it was a big journey, right? So when we look at this, so so look at, and, and this is meant to be kind of this boom, boom, boom kind of, you know, approach here in, on, on the verses. Genesis 20 and verse 1. And Abram, Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. These are places in Canaan. And Abraham in 21 and verse 34. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistine land, Philistine's land many days. In Genesis 23, 4, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you, he says uh, 
uh, to the children of, of uh, Heth, I think, Heth maybe, uh, regarding his, his uh, burying, burying Sarah. Even in Joshua 24, verse 3, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. So I've got another, look, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to show you two more maps and I have no idea if they're accurate. I didn't take the time. But these are two Bible maps that show, show Abraham's journeys in Canaan. And I don't want you to try to follow him. But the point is, he was constantly moving. He was constantly moving from place to place. And, and in part, he was told to do that, right? Anywhere you put your feet, Anywhere you trod, anywhere you go, and we'll actually see that verse. Anywhere you go, will you know will be will be part of uh, of your nation. But the, I mean, he's going all over the place. He's going all over the place. So this brings us to our third relationship rule: the journey allows the details to unfold, including your patience for his plan. I really appreciated. Um, Jason's, uh, you know, testimony, I guess, in, in preaching this morning regarding the process of getting, just getting to Boston and the challenges and, you know, his, his point about, you know, God, God already knew, God was there, God already knew that they were going to get there. I don't know that I would have had the love of Christ exuding out of my pores at the hospital if I had been promised a rapid test and was now not going to get a rapid test. I would have been pretty frustrated, right? But God knew what was going to happen. The journey that Abraham takes brought him to the point of God's blessing. Like I know that sounds, I was having that discussion with somebody and I'm trying to remember who I was talking with. Might have been, might have been Shane this week. Was that, talking about this very thing that your journey literally brought you to this point today. Now, I'm not saying it's some super. Oh my gosh, it's all about right now, and it's all about this message, and it's all about this whatever. That's not my point. My point is every decision you've made, everything that God's done, every attack from the the enemy, everything has caused your path to go even to today. To, literally to get you to this point. And the things tomorrow will be from this point till that point. Like your journey is a culmination of a lot of different decisions and a lot of different uh, aspects. But not the least of which is your patience with his plan for your life. If you're patient, I mean, Abraham could have been like, I've been here. I've been here three times. Like I've already walked this road. I've seen this part of the story. God, show me what you want me to do. Like, give me this promise that, like, the promise of Isaac doesn't come for quite a while in the journey. And even that, he then has to trust that God's going to multiply that seed and God's going to do that. Like, there's a lot of patience that it took. I don't even know how long it would have taken. I figured it out uh, at least before in the number of miles and the number of, uh, of different things and about how long it would have taken Abraham to get from the Ur of Chaldees just to Canaan, let alone all the movement in Canaan that happened over years. I mean, try your, I mean, trying your patience. God, I thought you called me to this place. Why do you keep moving me? 
I thought you called me to this place. Why do you keep moving me? Because I'm taking you on the journey, Abraham. I'm taking you on the journey. And each one of those spots is a point along the path where you need to learn something. Right? And sometimes we don't learn it. And guess what? We get to make up that grade. <laughs> we get to go back and do that class over again. It sometimes has a different different latitude and longitude, but a lot of times it's the exact same lesson. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the journey allows the details to unfold, but it also allows your patience with his plan to unfold, unfold or, or to uh, to manifest itself. And that's going to bring us to our third, or I'm sorry, our fourth uh, kind of point today, or fourth area of study, is that he's leading some. Now we saw in, so, so look back and it's on the top of your page, on the other side probably at this point of your page. Look at Hebrews 11, 8 through 10 again. And by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he should, uh, which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went, the journey, right? By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. He's moving around as in a strange country asking for directions at every stoplight it seems like dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob <laughs> dwelling in tabernacles now I believe every word of God is important and he put that as part of the definition of what Abraham's faith looked like that he dwelt in tabernacles and what's amazing and I mentioned it before what he left was probably a relative uh, a, 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 a situation of relative ease Look at this. In Genesis 25, 27, and the boys grew. So his sons grew. Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man, a simple man, dwelling in tents. And I didn't realize how the tents, how <clears throat> the tabernacles, how big of a deal that was in, in Abraham's life. But, but just catch this. Just And we're again, we're kind of going to kind of hit some mountaintops here. In Genesis 12, 8, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east side of Bethel. What did he do? And he pitched his tent. God reminds us he's not building a house. He's pitching his tent. Because he's a journey, a uh, sojourner. Because he's on a journey. Having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. In Genesis 13, and both in verses 3 and verse 18, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. So, like, his tent is kind of a big deal, right? His tent is kind of a big deal. Uh, 17 and 18. Arise, walk through the land and the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it uh, unto thee. That's what I was referencing a moment ago. Then Abraham, what's he do? He pulls up the stakes of his tent. He removes his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is uh, in Hebron, and there built an altar unto the Lord. Like, I don't know all the specific places. Obviously, I don't know the history even knows all the specific places that Abraham pulled up and set up his tent. But it was frequent. It was frequent. The dude was on the move. And every night that he went to sleep, on some bedroll on the on the sands of uh, Canaan or on the hillside or hopefully in the the, the more grassy areas or, or or you know threw some additional blankets down to try to just find some comfort right 
Every night he was not in a house. He was in a tent. Look at some of the, the specifics out of Genesis 18, which I just popped off the page to me. I guess I didn't realize it, but I do think God does this for a purpose in putting these words in Scripture. And the Lord appeared to him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Well, where would be the best place to sit? where you could get shade, but also catch the breeze, right? He's sitting in the tent uh, door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. This is what that picture was. And he saw them. Uh, he ran to meet them from the tent door. Like, God didn't have to include that part about the tent. And he bowed himself toward the ground, and ver jumping down to verse 6, and Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah. So again, he could have just hastened unto Sarah, but God tells us that he went into the tent. Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, uh, and make uh, cakes upon the hearth. And they said unto him, Where is the, uh, Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah, Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Like, Again, I do believe this is on purpose. God, I don't think God makes mistakes. He doesn't waste, uh, you know, ink, so to speak, in his in his scripture. This is a big deal. A Abraham and, and Sarah were dwelling, were, t were tent dwellers. They were nomads. They were sojourners. Now, nomads don't have a purpose, arguably, on where they're going. Sojourners are, absolutely do. But from the outside looking in, this is after so long, you pack it up and you move it. And I don't know what that exactly looked like, but a few years ago, I think we went to Philadelphia to the the Revolutionary War Museum. Was that in Philadelphia? I think that was in Philadelphia. I feel like that was in Philadelphia. We went to a Revolutionary War Museum, and one of the displays that they had was George Washington's tent. And it was really neat to see. We went into this like theater uh, area, and they put you know played a, a video about it, and some audio, and just some different things. And it was behind a curtain, and you could kind of see it. And it was they kind of made a big bigger deal out of it than it really was. But but at some point, the 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 curtain lifts that you can kind of sheer kind of curtain you could see through, and there was the tent that George Washington stayed in during the Revolutionary War. And there was kind of a chill down my spine. I'm a history buff, so I kind of like that kind of thing. But I was like, wow, that's where George Washington stayed. Now, not there, because it's in the museum in Philadelphia or wherever it was, but that was his tent. And somewhere, rotting in the sands of, uh, or the, the land of Canaan is probably disintegrated, is Abraham's tent. That was his home. He didn't have the, the brick and mortar. Right? He didn't have the sense of, of he didn't have the sense of permanence that that we sometimes think of after he makes the journey from Ur of the Chaldees. Well he was in Canaan, but he was still living in tents. And the reference in Hebrews and the reference on the previous slide in Genesis twenty five, twenty seven, he's leading, he's setting an example to Jacob about dwelling in tents. And look at this, what happens in Genesis 24. After um, Isaac gets his, uh, gets his uh, or Isaac and Jacob, after Isaac 
gets his his wife after he gets um, Rebecca. Look at this. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. So he literally inherited the tent of Sarah and Abraham. And you think, well, oh, Mitch, that's just some some animal skins that made up a, a cap. No, that that's that's passing on the sojourning. That's representative of the fact that Abraham passes on to his kids and arguably his grandkids this concept of trusting God for the next step. Where am I going to sleep tonight? Where God has me sleep tonight. Where am I going to go tomorrow? Where God has me go tomorrow. Not I'm going home, right? I can, I'm not going home this afternoon. I hope I'm going where the Lord leads me this afternoon. And at some point, I hope it's home because I got to let my dog out, right? And there's some practicalness to it. I get it. But your, your purpose, your direction, your footsteps should be where the Lord leads us. And this brings us to our final point, our final rule of the day, our relationship rule. When you follow the Lord in accordance with your call, and I can point, I certainly can point his will out, and I can point out some things that are universal calls to his children. But when you follow that, what that looks like in your specific life, you will leave an indelible mark on those who follow you. Whether that's your children, whether that's your disciple, whether that's people you co-labor with in ministry, you will leave a mark. They too will dwell in tents. They too, in moments of very important, very like literally marrying their, their wife concept, what are they going to do? They're going to go into their mother's tent. Like, that's a big deal. Those relationships are important. And you say, but, but Mitch, at the beginning of this, you were talking about leaving relationships. Yes, I am. I'm talking about leaving those relationships maybe that you have now. And as you develop fruit and as you develop spiritual fruit and physical fruit, those are the things that you'll leave behind for them. Right? So ultimately, we'll close here. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10, this is the last phrase, or last two phrases. Abraham looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. That is so, like, I don't know if it's jumping off the page at you, but I literally, when I read that, I got chills that he left in Ur of the Chaldees, probably a place that had a foundation, traveled his whole rest of his life living in tents, never living in a place that had a foundation because what was he doing? He was looking for a city which had a foundation whose builder and maker was God. Like that's a big deal. That's a big deal. We can follow that same God this morning, right? And we can do it in a very similar way. And I would just encourage you to, you know, take, uh, take, I guess, inventory of where you are. Are you heeding his call? Are you leaving some behind? Are you know, knowing or willing to lose some along the way? And know that you might lumber a little bit. You're, the journey is going to be a journey. There's going to be stories to tell. And ultimately, are you leading others? And are you leaving that mark on them by leading them? Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for uh, the testimony of Abraham. We thank you for the things that he did in the different people's lives and how he impacted them in very tangible ways. And um, 
Lord, he did that, I believe, by, by listening to you. And yes, he, he failed. He obviously had times of, of doubt, Lord, and, and you, you've left those recorded in Scripture for us to learn from and to grow to grow from. Uh, but Lord, I, I do just pray that each of us, as we consider our journey, as we consider the next steps, as we go and do and heed and answer the call that you've laid on our lives, that we're willing to do this same thing, to follow the picture of Abraham and and know that, hey, we we may have to give up a house and may have to live in a tent and uh, and help us to, to really understand that you're at work and that you're calling us to something greater, not necessarily a more permanent dwelling but to a city whose foundation uh, is, is, is in you, uh, that you are the maker of it, that you are the builder of it, that that is a, an amazing blessing. Uh, Lord, we love you so much, and we just thank you for the plainness of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.